Welcome to the Learning Capacity Podcast, where we explore stories from around the world. We hear from educators, parents, students, entrepreneurs and scientists about innovations that help make learning easier and more successful. I'm your host, Peter Barnes. My guest today is Penny Nesbitt. Penny is an expert on applying positive psychology and a strengths approach to organisations and individuals. She's also a change management consultant, coach, speaker and author. In this talk, Penny discusses how educators can use positive psychology to get better learning outcomes for all their students. She explains positive psychology and how positive education is gathering momentum in education systems around the world. And towards the end of this episode, you'll hear Penny explain the power of two little words, not yet. So Penny, what's positive education all about? Positive education um, emerged from the whole positive psychology movement. Um, And often when I talk about positive psychology, you do see a bit of eye rolling. People often get a little bit um, curious about what it means. Some people are a little bit sceptical. Um, I have had people say, isn't positive psychology about sitting around, smiling, not talking about anything bad, which, of course, isn't what it's about at all. So just to, to give some context, how positive psychology emerged was uh, through the um, efforts of people like uh, Dr. Martin Seligman and Dr. Chris Peterson. Uh, and what happened, there had been certainly been some research in the positive, what's now called positive psychology, some research in that space for some years. But in 19, late 1990s, Marty Seligman uh, became president of the American Psychological Association. And he and a number of other psychologists had been concerned for quite some time. The psychology had started to very much go around what, down what might be called the medical model and very much focused on working with people who were unwell, psychologically unwell, and looking at, at how to make them better. And as he and his colleagues pointed out, the, the, um, the role of psychology has always been threefold. One has certainly been to work with people that are unwell, The other is to study genius and talent. And the other, um, which certainly had dropped off the radar, was to look at what are the conditions in which human beings, which of course includes children, um, the conditions in which people flourish. Uh, And that was basically where things started at that time in terms of the whole positive psychology space. And out of that um, emerged positive education. Because when we talk about human flourishing, where better to start than, than with uh, kids at school? Uh-huh. So um, is anything happening as far as positive education is concerned now in education systems around the world, or is this just an idea that's emerging? No, um, it's definitely on the crest of a wave. There has been um, quite a lot of um, movement in the positive education space. When we talk about positive education, we need to think holistically because typically when we talk about education, people automatically simply think about the interactions between a teacher and a child in the classroom and and to a a lesser extent their parents. But when we talk about positive education, we're talking about the students, the teachers, the school and the community, which of course includes their parents. And um, what's actually happened, there's been a huge groundswell of interest um, in 
various aspects of positive education in those various areas. So working with teachers, so looking at positive leadership, the students looking at things like strengths at school, um, looking at the whole school and the whole community as well. One example that comes to mind is Geelong Grammar in Australia. Um, there is also a program which also happened to originate in Australia called the Bounce Back Program. There are programs uh, throughout the United Kingdom and the USA. So, for example, if anyone was to Google positive education, um, they would find a number of hits on Google from programs that have been initiated in schools, both primary school and high schools throughout the world. Uh -huh. And so if a school isn't engaged in positive education today and they're interested in it, do they have? Is it a program? Do you buy things off the shelf? Is it a curriculum? Um, how do they get trained? What? T tell me about the, the the practicalities for a school. Okay, so I guess it depends on um, on how much to what extent people are able to invest. There's a lot of um, pressures on school budgets, which we all know, um, and. Uh, Every year, leadership teams need to make decisions about what those budgets get spent on. So I completely understand that the sort of challenges, as we all do, of, of the budget and profit and loss. So some schools decide to go down the track of a wholesale program, um, a, a, a wholesale as in mean, meaning across the entire school, and may look to um, sending people along to a very formal and, and often quite expensive training program. A small a school that I've started to work with wanted to start on a smaller scale, a primary school, and often a place that people start. They're certainly the, the, the teachers that I'm talking to and the schools I'm talking to um, seem to have a level of awareness. Um, Australia certainly has been quite, uh, quite ahead of the pace in terms of promoting positive education. So many of the teachers in the schools here are quite keen to uh, start up a program. And often what I recommend is starting with something that is easy and also gets quick wins with, with both the teachers, the students, as well as with parents. And that's with something as simple as looking at strengths at school. And strengths at school um, is something that has emerged again from the work of Professor Martin Seligman. And the tool that he and Chris Peterson and a, a big bunch of uh, researchers developed is known as Values in Action. And it's probably the most commonly used tool uh, um, in the school system. And it looks at what they call character strengths. The way that the tool was created was actually um, a bunch of social psychologists and researchers who went around the world and looked at different, uh, across time, so back they looked back through to research back through time. They looked at different religions, different philosophies, different psychologies. Uh, and were quite astounded to find that what emerged was a list of 24 what are called character strengths or virtues that cross all of those boundaries. And that is the tool that's now known as the VIA. So, so a character strength, then yeah. give me an example of a character strength. Okay. So a character strength that you'll find on the, the Values in Action tool, one, for example, is bravery. Uh, another is persistence. Uh, another one is kindness. So, for example, uh, although the VIA um, can only be administered or is, is only valid when children are from the age of 11, 
below that age um, in the hands of people who are um, educated in how to start strength spotting, and that includes teachers as well as parents, what people start to notice, for example, a child of five or six who has kindness as a character strength will often be the children who are comforting others without any prompting. It's something that tends to come to the kids naturally. Um, they do it without prompting, and it's something that they seem to enjoy doing. Okay, that's interesting. I might, just by the way, I've noticed uh, my, my grandson, uh, when he was younger, he still exhibits this kindness thing I think you're talking about. When he was younger yeah. and playing soccer and some kid in his soccer team was fell over, he'd go across and comfort this kid and the ball would be running down beside him and he would take no notice of the ball, he'd be too busy with the kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a great example. That's yeah. a great example. You know, it's something like, like bravery. I mean, quite often we see kids very young kids and people marvel at a child doing something. I heard a story recently of two young kids um, who received awards for valour. They were both, I think they would have been early teens, 11, 12, um, and uh, one of the young lasses' father suffered a horrific injury. His arm was actually ripped off by a tractor, um, severed by a tractor, and these two young girls had to care for him and have presence of mind to tourniquet his mind, to tourniquet his uh, arm, etc., uh, until such time as help um, came along. And I think, wow, that's an extraordinary example of, in, in children so young of bravery um, in this in the face of you know of a very difficult difficult circumstance. You know, kids with persistence. Um, they're often the kids that that you'll see despite um, difficulties, despite perhaps setbacks. They're the kids that just seem to go and go and go until they get something right or until they achieve something that they want to achieve. Again, one of the things that comes to mind is stories of kids who, from a very early age. Um, you know, you hear stories of mums and dads taking kids, getting up at five o'clock to take them to their swimming. And their kids, that's, you know, that's a very early time for anyone to get up. But these kids are on a mission and they persist and they push through to achieve what it is that they want to achieve, something that other people who don't necessarily have that as one of their top character strengths um, may not find so easy. So I can see how a strength like that would be very helpful uh, for a learner to be able to yes. persist. But uh, yeah. are all strengths positive things? With the VIA, um, there are no weaknesses. Um, the Values in Action talks about character strengths or virtues. There are, and, and what, what you'll find when you look, you look at the research in the VIA, what it talks about is that we all will have these particular character virtues to a greater or lesser degree. And some of them, certainly we can learn, we can learn to tap into them. But you'll tend to find that there are character, our top character strengths and virtues, the ones that we will tend to uh, draw on more often and feel um, more energised when we're operating on them. The VIA is somewhat different to another strengths profile that I use in my work with adults called the strengths, simply called the strengths profile. That the difference there is that that particular um, assessment is actually looking at strengths that we use in the workplace. Um, and that does look at it in areas of weakness, but it focuses on it's looking at something different to what the VIA is and something that's it's much more applicable um, as people are perhaps in their later years of school when they're looking to start making decisions around careers um, and certainly at work. So the VIA um, is certainly very applicable from an early age um, for kids at school. Mm. If, if, if a teacher wanted to... Uh, put their t dip their toe into the water of this strengths area. 
what 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 would they do? I mean, are they going, two two questions, I guess. What what are they? What are their first steps? What do they need to do? And secondly, what sort of results? What sort of changes to the outcomes for their students in their class could they expect, and over what sort of time if they sure. apply some of the principles that you you work with? Look, there's many things, many simple things that the teachers can do to start to, in, um, to introduce the idea of strengths at school. Um, I'd recommend if anybody's interested, the VIA is free, um, so people can go onto the link. The, if they just uh, Google values in action, um, they'll find the link. Um, it's free for anyone to do, um, and that's by virtue of a, a grant, a very um, wonderful people who provided a grant to enable the University of Pennsylvania to provide that free of charge. So once people have done the VIA and got their own report and started to do a little bit of research, um, there are some very, very simple things. I mean, if I would be starting very, very small. And there are a number of tools um, that I often recommend to people. If you're working with very young kids, so kindergarten to, um, you know, to uh, sixth grade, Six class. I mean, I'd be looking at simple things like starting to introduce kids to the words that are associated with character strengths, getting them to create some posters um, around those character strengths, um, getting them to um, to talk about some of the strengths that they see in each other, um, and starting to focus on the positive. In terms of results, the the results are absolutely staggering, I have to say, and the research that's been conducted has been repeated time and again. Um, Professor Lee Waters, who's an Australian researcher, has done a lot of work in the strength space as well. Um, and one of the things that, that certainly that drives me is as to why that, that positive education is important is... Um, as many people are aware, there has been an alarming increase in um, uh, suicides, in particularly in teenage kids, um, in depression and major depressive illnesses, and the, the figures are quite alarming. And people like Professor Leah Waters, Martin Seligman, etc., um, have been looking at ways that can have a, a positive impact on that number and ways that's not just fluff, things that actually work. So some of the results that people start to see over time is when people introduce a strengths approach at school, people start to see things like a lot more engagement amongst the kids because kids start to feel that they're in an environment that gets them, be that the teachers as well as their own, uh, as well as their, uh, their fellow pupils. Uh, people start to see a decrease in bullying. Um, they start to see... Um, better academic results, um, better attendance for kids that perhaps um, have not had a good attendance rate. Um, they see um, there are a lot more co cooperation amongst kids um, and a lot less depression, et cetera, et cetera. So there is, as I said, these are not just um, numbers or, or words rather plucked out of the air. They, they, the results have been repeated um, and quite profound. Uh, so you know, for, for taking on board something that to me is relatively simple and can start in a fairly inexpensive way, the results really are quite profound. Is an element of this, the, the benefits you've just described there, and uh, things like um, potentially reducing uh, suicide attempt and all that, um, that, mm -hmm. that sort of um, very, very um, distressing negative um, behaviour, is, yeah. does it boil down to uh, the fact that when 
children are exposed to their innate strengths, they become more positive about themselves. Is that is that an element of this? Absolutely, and and not just children. Um, I work with um, adults, um, and I work with and I'm doing work, as you know, within the education sector as well. The the bottom line is that that. Um, how can I say this? For, often, from sadly, from a very early age, uh, people often are sometimes with the best of intentions are often steered away from what um, their natural strengths and the implications and the the impact of that certainly into adulthood um, is quite profound and 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 can have a very negative effect. Um, much of what I see in my coaching practice. So whether you're working with a young child or you're working with an adult in their 40s, 50s or 60s, when, when we start to actually share with people, we go through an assessment process or use, use a tool like the VIA or a tool like the Strengths Finder, when people actually connect with and understand and are affirmed in terms of what their strengths are, um, I've got to say, I mean, when I when I work with adults, it's one of the it's one of the most affirming and positive exercises that I've ever I've used many many assessment tools, and to me, this is one of the most profoundly positive um, and affirming assessment tools I've ever used. And that's the kind of feedback I get um, from from adults. The same thing applies when you, if we think about it logically, when someone actually starts to hone in on and help us see in ourselves our natural gifts and talents and helps us to highlight and use those uh, in a way that's, that's better, that, that will benefit us and will benefit those around us, um, it stands to reason that the people are going to feel better about themselves. One of the things, by the way, I must hasten to add, um, one of the things that, that uh, sometimes teachers as well as parents fear is that uh, focusing on strengths is going to be at the cost of academic achievement or achieving their, their NAPLAN scores, etc., etc. And I, I need to disabuse people of that notion straight away. That that's not the case at all. Um, what happens with strengths, and this is, applies whether you're a child or whether you're an adult, is that you'll tend to find that what happens is when people understand their strengths and when those strengths are amplified uh, and appreciated. When people have to do the tough stuff, the, the not-so-sexy stuff, the things that they don't like or they find more challenging, when they understand their strengths, they'll find a way to draw on their strengths to get through or to do what it is that needs to be done in order to achieve an outcome that's required. Mm. Um, so, for example, for me, persistence is, is not one of my top VIA character strengths, but when I need to get through something, when I need to achieve something or meet an outcome or a goal or a deadline, I certainly dig deep and draw on my persistence. So it's it's about understanding at a logical level what it is that you need to do and what you need to draw on. So when you think about it, when you're tapping into something that comes naturally to you to achieve something that perhaps doesn't come so naturally, it's going to make that 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 latter part that much more uh, that much easier when you're drawing on a strength. So how how about uh, often teachers will hear a, a child, say a, a nine year old uh, girl in primary school, saying, "I'm I can't do maths. I'm crap at maths," or mm -hmm. so, or some other student um, expressing that they don't have any talent for a particular subject. Uh, mm -hmm. What would you say to a teacher? Is there some way they could use strengths to help turn that situation around? I'm pro probably now getting probably now getting to a bit 
around what's an area that's referred to as fixed versus growth mindsets. Oh, Carol Dweck. Um, yeah, Carol yeah, Dweck, yeah. one of my favourite people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and often, um, you know, there's been a there's certainly crossover, but, but just to I guess to clarify, with a fixed mindset, um, and this often happens with young kids. There's some um, quite um, good research and certainly some wonderful YouTube and TEDx talks around the fixed versus the growth mindset. So what tends to happen is if we have what's called a fixed mindset. What we're looking for is validation. So that the whether they're an, you're an adult or a child, we're constantly trying to prove ourselves and very sensitive to being wrong or making a mistake in that particular context. So failure, for example, will bring you doubt. Um, means that you're you know you're no good. You, your confidence is destroyed. So as a result, people with fixed mindsets often feel quite anxious or vulnerable to setbacks or criticisms in that particular space. I myself, interestingly, was one of those people that said I'm no good at maths and much to my surprise in my adult years when I went through psychological assessments, I kept coming up in the 95th percentile to maths, for maths and uh, it certainly was a, a time for reflection and, and starting to realise that I had developed quite a fixed mindset around my maths ability. In comparison to the fixed mindset, the growth mindset is, is about mastery and about competence. And the difference here is when people get who have a growth mindset get some corrective feedback um, where they fail at something, they basically have the view that this, okay, this is a challenge to be overcome. It's, this is just feedback. They also have the view that they can learn, develop, or cultivate new. So they don't see um, their, their IQ or, for example, their maths ability as being something that is fixed. It's something that I can develop, I can overcome, I can cultivate. Um, so when they fail, these people don't see it as a setback. They don't. Sorry, they just see it as a setback. Not not just feedback about their performance. It's certainly not judgment about their personality or their value. So people with grow, growth mindsets, um, you often they're the kind of people. You, the term that comes to mind is PB. That whether and we tend to associate PBs or personal bests typically with sports people. Um, but there's a great example of a growth mindset. It's about, well, I'm not really interested to, to a greater degree to a great degree about other people. I want to be better, I want to better myself. So it's that constantly checking with where I am. Um, I want to boost my own performance and I want to explore, I want to stretch, I want to experiment, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and so um, you know, with, with children, um, the fixed versus growth mindset um Often you'll often see that manifest um, in at school with exactly the kind of thing that you said. I'm no good at maths, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So part of um, developing a growth mindset and, and teachers, once they actually start to tune into the whole fixed versus growth mindset, will start to pick up on that language amongst children. And part of it is actually starting to ask kids um, if you were good at, for example, if you were good at maths, what would that be like? What might you need to do to get better at maths? How can we make maths? How can we improve? How can we make maths more interesting for you? So there are ways of actually um, there are ways of actually starting to fix uh, to, to shift rather a fix to a growth mindset. Probably the two words that I love most of all. Uh, and I talk about these in my book, Culture 101, because fixed versus uh, fixed mindsets afflict all of us in certain contexts of our lives, is when if a child came to me and said, I'm no good at maths, I'm, I'm rubbish at this, I'll never be good at maths, the all you need to say back to a child is not yet. 
Mm. And the brilliant thing is, is whenever you say that to a child or to an adult, the brain, as we know, is a wonderful organ and immediately responds by going on a little bit, oh, we're not ready, we're not there yet, okay, I need to find an answer. So we're kind of sending the brain on a search for an answer. So not yet. Not yet. What, two, what great powerful words. I love it. Mm. And that's what you mm. say when someone says, I'm no good at the other one, you go, not yet. Mm. It sounds like it sounds like positive psychology using strengths is something that teachers can introduce at very little cost uh, and, and quite easily and quickly. Absolutely. Look, but, but, you know, yeah. I, I, my, my, you know, I often have ideas going off in my head about how to. You know, t many the teachers I meet are extraordinarily creative, um, and you know, are constantly looking for ways to engage the kids, constantly looking at, at different ways to introduce learning. And, you know, I, simple things like just getting, talking to the kids about strengths, getting them to go and, and, you know, depending on their age, go and interview their parents and say, what's something that you, mum and dad, what's something that, or dad and dad, mum and mum, whoever, uh, what's something that you really love doing um, that you're good at um, and you really want to do a lot of, and it really gets you all fired up. Get them to start talking about strengths with their parents, um, and get them to you know get them to create posters of different strengths. Have them around the room, and then one day of the week um, is today. We're going to talk about the strength of the appreciation of beauty and ex beauty and excellence. So get them to talk about what that might mean. Um, read them stories that, that uh, demonstrate different strengths. Uh, one of my favourite stories um, is Mem Fox's book. Um, I can't remember the name of it, Not Possum Magic, it's an, a, her second book, which was about a young boy um, who lived next door to a nursing home. It was called William, William MacDonald Partridge, some name like that. Sorry, I'm rambling now. Um, hang on, I'll get back on track. That's all right, we can edit that. We can edit. Sorry, we can edit. We can edit. We can edit, we can edit ramblers. <laughs> edit ramblers. William something McDonald Partridge. Um, so yeah, things like looking at books that that and and uh, movies that demonstrate different different strengths um, and that get the kids to talk about those. Um, get them to interview each other, and you could perhaps you can people will start to see simply talking about what we're doing is the focus of strengths is rather than. Um, looking at what's wrong with people. Unfortunately, um, there's been a huge body of research that shows that human beings do have a negativity bias. We needed it to survive. Um, you know, I need food and I need to make sure that I don't get eaten was our predominant drivers for a very, very long time. And so it was important for us to have a negativity bias to look at what was wrong. That doesn't work so well now. And so looking, and it certainly doesn't work well in developing the brain and in, and in terms of developing strengths. When we look at strengths, we're not ignoring or, or downplaying uh, things that we are not so good at. What we are doing is giving equal or strong voice to what we do well, you know, the kind of things that we do well, uh, what we're naturally good at. So you can start to imagine that, that um, when you start to focus, when the kids start to focus on each other's strengths, you can perhaps start to see how this will start to have an impact on bullying, for example. And I'm happy to say that in the work I do with adults, the same thing happens. When you introduce a strengths approach with adults, the same things happen. People start to see significant shifts 
um, in the way that the adults treat each other as well. So it doesn't. It, I'm all about things that are simple, easy to implement, um, a science backed, um, and you don't need an MBA. You don't need some of them. You don't even need a budget. A lot of the things that I talk about. Um, when people are wanting to implement a positive education or a positive psychology approach require no input of, of money at all. Um, it's just about making a decision to take a slightly different approach. So for me, that works. It sounds like the strengths approach, approach positive psychology approach would be good for the whole of society, Penny. If I, could wave, if I could wave my magic wand, that's, what, that's my wish. That's, I mean, that's what I'm very, very passionate about. If, if, you, look at, um, if you look at how, how the, uh, the news is now, I don't know if it's always been this way, but it's, but it's so much of it now, it's so negative-focused. So it is. Like, someone was saying to me the other day, uh, cable network news, CNN, really should be called crisis network news or, or continually <laughs> negative news. And that yeah. must feed into our psychology in a yeah. detrimental way. So, yeah. so what you're talking about, besides being sounding like being wonderful for education, it sounds like it could be great for everybody. Well, it is, and, and people come preaching it converted when I, you know, you and I both know neurologically what the impact um, on the brain is of constant overexposure to uh, negativity, into stressful events, traumatic events. You know, we start to get into um, the constant, the amygdala constantly um, sending off messages to the body to leak out, you know, some of the less than desirable neurotransmitters and hormones, namely cortisol and adrenaline, both wonderfully fine if you need to fight or if you need to flee, but not great to have sitting in your body if you're a child sitting in the classroom or if you're an adult sitting at work. And, you know, a lot of the, uh, the, the fundamentally what positive psychology is about is it's essentially about increasing well-being. Um, Marty Seligman's model, his PERMA model, um, many teachers will have heard of. PERMA um, stands for um, the five, it's the first letters of the five elements um, that he describes um, in terms of what we need in the environment, whether we're at school or whether at work. And it stands for positive emotion engagement, uh, engagement with what it is that I'm doing, engagement with the work in general, relationships, so I need, in order for me to have a sense of well-being, I need to feel that I'm developing relationships at school and or at work. There needs to be some kind of sense of meaning or purpose, and I need to accomplish things as well. So you think about those those elements, that they apply whether we're a child at school or whether we're at work. And when those sorts of things start to apply, what we start to see um, is there is a starts to be a shift in the neurochemistry of the brain as well. There's a lot more um, serotonin, endorphins. Um, as kids start to engage with each other and share with each other, oxytocin gets released. Oxytocin is that wonderful tendon befriend hormone that helps with, with, uh, with team building and helps build relationships. Um, when people are happy um, and, and uh, have some lighthearted times, we start to get dopamine happening. So there's you know, there's a lot of, um, this is not just about, uh, as I often say to people, it's not about sitting around in beanbags, eating quinoa, uh, wearing your happy pants. <laughs> this, is a, this is about actively doing things that science now tells us will help shape the neurochemistry of our brains, whether we're a child or an adult, 
and help raise our general sense of well-being. Now, I, I think for anyone that's a great thing, certainly for kids, um, that's a you know when you start to think back to those horrific figures around uh, around serious uh, episodes of, uh, of depressive illness and certainly attempted and, and actual suicides, anything we can do to lift a child's sense of well-being has got to be a, a mighty fine thing. Sure, sure is absolutely. Now I understand uh, that you're building a uh, series of professional online professional development courses around positive psychology and strengths in yeah. education. Uh, yes. Are you able to just give us a quick preview of what, what's what's happening there? Yep. Yeah. And look, this is in response to a number of people um, kind of asking the questions that you've asked. Um, people um, worry about, you know, is this going to cost a lot of money? Uh, how, where do I start? Um, you know, it would be great if everybody was in a, an environment where uh, everyone from the top down, be it the boss or the, the principal, were totally on board with this. It's not always the case. And so I'm all there is. There is nothing bad about this. And if you know, I'm always all for people being, um, and I mean this with with love in my heart. I'm all for people being the silent rebel um, and the and the disruptors in the nicest possible way. And the things that we're going to be talking about in the online program are just starting to introduce people to some of this, just to some of the background, so they can start to educate themselves. Some of the background um, to positive psychology. Um, you and I both know that when you start to talk about positive psychology and neuroscience, you know, it's kind of cue the eye rolling. Um, and I personally um, have always found it um, very helpful and very reassuring that when I get questioned by the naysayers or the bean counters that I've got plenty of science and very long-standing evidence-backed research to fall back onto. So in the programs, we'll be just touching, um, there'll be about 30, 30 to 35 minute mo modules. We'll be touching on some of the key aspects of positive education. So starting with a little bit of background on positive psychology, looking at what strengths mean at school, how to start spotting strengths. Um, we'll cover things in more depth like fixed and growth mindsets. Um, and look at how to introduce the whole concept of the whole, what's called whole of whole of school um, or social and emotional learning at school. So um, I, I like to make things accessible. Um, I'm very, very, as I've said, I'm very for things that are highly accessible, easy to implement, yet are evidence-backed. And that's what we're going to be doing with this online program. Wonderful, Penny. We'll look forward to those. In the meantime, how can someone get in touch with you if they want to? Talk some more about this. Sure. So if people want to get in touch with me, um, they can certainly uh, email me. It's very easy. It's penny, P-E-N-N-Y, at penny nesbit, that's with a double T, N-E-S-B-I-T-T, dot com, dot A-U. Um, or I'm happy for them to call me on my mobile phone, which is 0404 so I would love to talk to anybody who'd like to know a bit more about positive education and positive psychology in general. As you probably picked up, I'm pretty passionate about this stuff. Excellent, Penny. Look, thank you very much for your time today. And, and we'll um, schedule some more time to, to dig deeper into this subject over the next uh, few weeks and months. So until yep. next time, thank you very much. Wonderful. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Learning Capacity Podcast, brought to you by LearnFastHQ.com, delivering the world's best evidence-based solutions for learning since 1999. 
Head over to our website to read a transcript of the podcast. Go to learnfasthq.com, that's L-E-A-R-N-F-A-S-T-H-Q.com and click on podcast in the menu at the top of the page. And don't forget to subscribe in your listening app so you don't miss hearing any of the interesting discussions about learning, teaching and education. Thank you.